Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today I'm going to be coming to you from the Gospel of John in chapter number 5. We're going to be reading the first nine verses before coming into an explanation and moving forward. So before we get started, let's enter into a time of prayer asking for God's blessing. Father, we are grateful for everything that you have done for us. We thank you for this day and for the beauty of it. We pray, Lord, that you will use us this day for your service in your kingdom. We pray that you will watch over us and direct our path. We're thankful for all that you have done and for what you're going to do. And bless the name of Jesus in us, with us, and through us. Amen. All right, guys, today I'm going to be coming to you from the good old King James Bible, and I'm going to explain why in just a moment. But first, the reading. So in verse number one, the scripture says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said to him, Wilt, wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said unto him, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, the reason why I was bringing this to you today in the King James translation is because I want you to get the whole story. I want you to have all the information. Now, now originally I was reading this in, in a couple of different translations like the Christian Standard Bible or the English Standard Version and things of that nature, a lot of these modern translations. But it's missing so much information that I've got to go back to the old King James just to be able to get it all straight. For instance, if you're using a modern translation right now as we're, we're going through this study, then your, your verse number 2 is going to tell you Aramaic instead of the Hebrew tongue, which is the word Bethesda, where it's going to come from. Uh, it's going to tell you that it was Aramaic instead of Hebrew. Second, it's going to tell you that it was the sheep gate, whereas the King James tells you it's a sheep market. Uh, the third place is going to uh, have an issue is is in verse number three it's going to tell you that there is indeed a great many infirmities of people that are that are waiting that are blind that are paralyzed that are uh, different things of that nature but the newer translations leave the last part of verse three off waiting for the moving of the water 
Now, the reason why that particular part of verse number three that's left out in a lot of modern translations, the reason why that's so important is when Jesus starts talking to this man, he talks about the troubling of the waters. But if we don't have the moving of the waters and the explanation of why the waters are moving from verse number four, which is absolutely left out entirely from the majority of modern translations, I mean, literally, just take a look at your modern translation Bible right now. You'll see verse number one, you'll see verse number two, you'll see verse number three, you'll see verse number five, because verse number four is entirely left out. Not, not just the information of the words, but the actual verse number itself is left out. The Bible just goes from verse number three to verse number five without any, any connotation of verse number four ever existing, or for that fact, the number four ever existing. But when you come to verse number four in the good old King James, you're going to find that it tells you exactly why that lame man was laying there for 38 years on and off course. I'm sure he's got family members that will take him to that place and leave him there, but it's possible he could have been laying there the whole time. Jesus said that he observed that he had been there for a very long time, so that ought to tell us a little something. But when you consider why that man was laying there, what was his purpose for laying there? What is the point of this troubled waters or the troubling of the waters? How do we even know anything about it? If we follow the modern translations, we're not going to get the understanding. But verse number four gives you the entirety of the understanding. And I know not why they leave it out. So verse number four says this, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then, first after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatever disease that they had. So the reality is, is this lame man, if he had somebody to be able to help him get into this pool at the point where the waters would be troubled, then he could be healed from his infirmity. As for many years, this man during this certain season that certainly he would know about because of his great desire to be able to be healed and certainly the, the word going out that the waters are going to be troubled soon. As he's laying there, he, he year after year for 38 years, he said, has to see this people going into that water at the time of the troubling and walking out completely healed. And so that he sees the potential of what could happen to him, but realizes that without help, he'll never get in there. And those people who are around him are all waiting to get in there themselves. Why in the world would they help him? So you lose so much information about John chapter number five if you're using modern translations. Now, I speak of the ESV because it's something that I have in front of me. I've spoken of the Christian Standard Bible because it's missing the verse as well. It's missing the information I've talked about. It's very possible that in the NIV it's missing that, that, that same area of text. I do know that the New King James Bible does have this information that's in it. And of course, you can always trust good old King James Bible because it just has everything in it. Praise the Lord. So I, I often encourage folks, get you a King James Bible, study it, read it, because you're guaranteed to have the whole counsel of God found within its, 
in its bindings because these modern translations, whatever bones they had to pick with God that they didn't want this information out, they they don't share it. They they leave it out of, of what they try to claim to be a Bible. Well, I don't think that they're very good Bibles if they're going to be leaving all this good information out. So uh, just understand that, that today we're sticking straight King James because I don't want to miss anything else. As I've already read through uh, the, the ESV, and I've seen that, man, in my studies just before I come online here, uh, come on this broadcast, I was reading back through it, and I said, something's just not right here. And praise God that I've studied the King James Bible so long that it's in my heart that I know when something's missing. Hallelujah. And, and, and I was reading through and reading through and reading through. It's just something is missing. I opened up old King James, and I said, oh, look, an entire verse is missing. Oh, look, this, this most important information about this whole story, this whole scenario is, is gone. It's missing. So praise God, we're going to make sure that you get the whole counsel instead of just a bits and pieces. So we understand from verse number four here that it, that it was an angel that would go down at a certain season into the pool to trouble the water. And anybody that was in the water at, right after the troubling that the angel did was made whole of whatever disease it was. Now, this man is introduced as a certain man that was there and he had an infirmity. Of course, it was recognized he was paralyzed or, or he wasn't able to walk one way or the other. Uh, it's been 38 years that this man has, has had to sit here and watch this people that would go into the water after him or when Jesus saw him. Now, Jesus hanging out down at the pool of Bethesda. What is he doing down there? Well, he's, he's got his, his heart set on this person. Now, there are a, a whole multitude. There's five porches on this thing. Of course, with the, with the easy-to-read translations like ESV that talk about colonnades and all this other stuff that would be confusing. But nevertheless, with the good old King James, they say it's too hard to understand. It's got five porches. Well, we, we can understand what a porch is anyways. Five porches. And this place is packed with people. And these people are all waiting for this angel to come and stir the waters. These people are all waiting for the purpose of being able to get their healing. But this guy in particular has been there 38 years for the troubling of the water, has never had anybody help him, and he doesn't have the ability to drag himself or to draw himself into that water before other people. So Jesus locks his eyes on this guy, the guy that has no ability to take care of himself, essentially. And it says to us in verse number 6, it says that, that Jesus saw him lie there and, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. Now, we didn't know at that time that it was 38 years. But Jesus just knows that this guy has been in this point of suffering for a very long time within his heart as he sees him lying there. And so he speaks to him and he says, will you be made whole? In other words, would you like to be made whole? I mean, healed completely. Well, on the onset of this question that Jesus would ask, it doesn't seem like it would make much sense, does it? 
I mean, obviously this guy's been laying there for 38 years during the period of the season of the troubling of the waters for the hope that somebody would help him get into that water after the water was troubled. And year after year, uh, defeatedly watching those who had less infirmities, who had lesser issues in their lives that would easily bypass this guy without giving a second thought to the situation that he was in, that they would dive right into that water and come right out with, with the healing. But this guy, having to watch the hope of his healing pass him by from year to year to year, and, and then this man just walks up to him and says, would you like to be made whole? Well, one of the things that goes through my mind when I first think about that is as hearing Jesus's words is, duh. <laughs> I mean, obviously, uh, for 38 years, I've been waiting for the hope of this opportunity to be made whole. For 38 years, I've had to watch all these people jump over me and bypass me to climb into that water without severity of issue for their healings. And for 38 years, I've suffered in this condition. Yeah, uh, I would like to be made whole. Well, that's exactly the way the the lame man spoke to Jesus. Not, not exactly, but this is what he says. He says, I have no one when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. Now, what he doesn't understand is who he's talking to. He doesn't know Jesus from anybody else. He doesn't know uh, the, the plan of God. Certainly, all he knows is that this man walks up to him and asks him if he wants to be made whole. So the only way that this lame man has to be able to be made whole in his understanding is if someone will put him in that water after the troubling of it. But in his experience, he's seen so many people passing by that, that he doesn't expect that there's ever going to be a chance for him to actually be made whole. So it's a little bit condescending to this lame man to consider this question that Jesus would ask of him, would you like to be made whole? And so he says, I've got no one to put me in the water when it's troubled and he says, while I'm coming to the pool, in other words, I'm dragging myself down there. I'm trying to get there. He says, other people step down before me. Other people go right over me and get in that water. And so it, you, you could understand from a position of this lame man having no idea who Jesus is, having no idea what Jesus is, is referring to or what Jesus is even talking to him about. You can understand where this man might find the question of Jesus a bit condescending. He might find the question of Jesus a bit absurd. For it seems to be rhetorical and on its face, doesn't it? it? You're asking me who has been at this position, in this place, for the last 38 years, hoping to be made whole. You're asking me if I want to be made whole. <laughs> I mean, that, that seems a little absurd on its face, right? But the, the scripture comes forward and it says that Jesus says to him in verse number eight, he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, I want you to see the miracle that just took place here because the scripture says in verse number nine, immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. Now, understand this. This man was lame for 38 years. 
uh, using modern translations, essentially it says that he would be paralyzed. Uh, and uh, understanding people that I've worked with who have been paralyzed from the waist down is that the muscles of the legs would atrophy. There wouldn't be any any power to them. There wouldn't be any strength to them. There's no possible way, no possible way that this man, after 38 years of not using his legs for anything other than something that has been in his way that he's had to push out of his way for the inability of walking and the inability of of standing that he's been at a position of lying down or or crawling around dragging himself with his arms there's no possible way for this man to in one moment be able even even to be feasible to be able to stand up no possible way. Think of all of the processes that would have to happen in order for this man, please keep this in mind, who has been prone, who has been paralyzed, essentially lame for 38 years. (laughs) Okay. That this isn't something where it's just been six weeks and there's still the possibility of being able to use your legs because there's still enough muscle mass to be able to move around, enough meat to be able to do things. 38 years of atrophy, of, of brittleness to the bones, of, of, of nothingness to the ligaments or tendons. I mean, it's just, just, just a wasted body from, from the, the, the leg perspective. That this man, upon the word of God, immediately would stand up. Now, for his arms to be able to take the bed, that would be no problem. He's been having to drag himself around with his arms. His his arms are are very capable. It's, It's not an issue of the upper body. It's an issue of the legs. There's no possible way for this man to be able to stand up at at all. But he does. So the processes, the natural processes that would have to happen just at the speech, just at the speaking of God's word, the muscle mass would have to return into this man's legs in an instant. The tendons, the, the ligaments of connection between the knee and, and the, the femur bone and, and the hip sockets and and all of the structure of the coccyx and, and all of those things that, that would bring the hip and, and the, the femurs into the ball sockets of, of the hip to be able to function correctly, the, the, the calf muscles and the Achilles tendon strength, the, the very musculature of the foot and, and the, the different bones of the foot and, the, and every, oh, there is so much. There is so much that is healed just at the speaking of Jesus. All the the impossibility of this man to be able to get up, but at the command of Jesus, without hesitation, as the scripture reveals, verse number nine, this word immediately, without hesitation, this man rises, he just gets up, and he takes up his bed, and he walks. 
It's been 38 years. And he walks. Guys, that is a miracle. That is, there is no earthly nor human explanation for this man's abilities in this moment. It is a pure miracle. And I want you to keep in mind that this didn't have anything to do with a message of salvation at this moment. This was just the pure compassion of Jesus seeing someone in this state of suffering, knowing that they have been in this position of suffering for a great long while, and it's just the overwhelming compassion of Jesus that heals him. This is a perfect example of just the the pure love of God for his creation of man. And Jesus heals him. He says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, I want you to also take note in verse number 9 that at the end of this verse, it reveals to us that it was the Sabbath day. (laughs) It says, on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit because it tells us in verse number 1 that there was a feast of the Jews. Now, I personally believe, because keep in mind, we just finished off another feast of the Jews just in in the last chapter, at the very beginning of four, it was recognized, it was Feast of the Jews, and it was Passover. Well, at this period of time, as we've moved forward, I would submit to you that this feast that is being referred to where Jesus goes up to Jerusalem is Shavuot, or what is called the Feast of Weeks. We're also familiar with this as being recognized as Pentecost because it is the 50th day celebration. Now, the the point of Shavuot is, one, an offering of the first shoots of the grains, the first harvest of the grains we would be able to give to the Lord, but it's also a recognition feast of, of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai unto Moses. This is one of three feasts where all of Israel is commanded by God to come to the temple in Jerusalem to be able to worship. The first feast is the the Passover, which is connected to the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of First Fruits. It's the 14th, 15th, and 16th days of the first of the month of the year. So it's recognized as Passover. Then you've got 50 days later to return to Jerusalem for Shavuot for the Feast of Weeks. Then uh, months later you have the return to Jerusalem for what is called Sukkot or the, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now this particular scenario that is played out for us in John chapter number 5 I believe is happening at Shavuot. Now we understand that, that this, this day that Jesus is doing his work is recognized as a Sabbath day. Now, keeping in mind uh, what the, the Mosaic law, as it would be considered, all the, the restrictions of Leviticus as concerning what you can do, what you can't do on the Sabbath. And then, of course, 
coming above and beyond that law as recognized in the Talmud. And, of course, the Talmud is the oral traditions that would be of the rabbis in their teachings from from the times of, of the Old Covenant and, of course, being written down somewhere near near the, the early uh, B.C.s, just before the times of the Maccabees at 186 B.C.s, things that get transmitted orally got written down. And so you've got a ton of laws that don't necessarily apply to the truth of what the Sabbath was meant for and what, what was considered work and what have you on the Sabbath day. But nevertheless, you, you've, you've got this people that are so ingrained in their belief systems as concerning what is and what isn't work and what, what should and what shouldn't be done, etc., etc., that when Jesus does this particular healing and it happens to be on a Sabbath day, that it flips the religious community out. I mean, they just totally are beside themselves and upside down over this. So as revealed in verse number 10, <clears throat> the Jews, therefore, said to him that was cured, this is that lame man that, that was took up his bed, which would have been considered work, was walking, which shouldn't be considered work, but they're going to make it into that. They, The Jews said to him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. So, this guy has broken the law because he's obeyed Jesus. He's, he's picked up his bed. Now, if I was lame, right, for 38 years, and a man came along and said, get up, which would have been a virtual, it would have been impossibility anyways, get up, Pick up your your bed, which of course this is not like a, a twin size bed. Even this is just a little mat that was rolled out for this guy not to have to lay on the concrete, or for the guy not to have to lay on the dirt. This is this isn't the kind of bed that we would be thinking of, like a queen size or a full size or a twin size mattress. This is just a a mat that that was capable of being uh, easily carried. Anyways. For Jesus to tell this guy, get up, take your mat, and get out of here. Well, as soon as I stood up, I would already be completely compliant to whatever he told me to do. I mean, I wouldn't even be thinking about what kind of day it was. Who cares if it's a Sabbath day? It's the first time I've been able to walk in 38 years. The guy told me to pick up my bed. Praise God, I'm going to pick up my bed. He told me to walk. Hallelujah, I'm going to walk. Well, as soon as he gets caught by these Jews, he's in trouble. And I mean big trouble because he's doing what they considered a work on the Sabbath days. It's not lawful for you. Well, verse number 11, this guy says, He that made me whole, the same said to me, Take up my bed and walk. Well, they asked him, So what man is that which is said to you, Take up your bed and walk? So, okay, if you... If it's not you and you were told to do this, then tell us who told you because we've got to blame somebody, right? Somebody's going to jail for this. <laughs> you just, you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing. Now, if you're going to pass the buck, then let us go find the person that you're passing the buck with. But 
Otherwise, we're going to nail you. Well, then they, they asked him, who told you to do that? Well, verse number 13, he said that, that he that was healed didn't know who it was. For Jesus had, had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. In other words, Jesus blended in with the crowd. Now, this is another testimony to Isaiah chapter number 53. You know, in Isaiah 53, it, it's the, the one chapter as concerning the suffering Messiah. And it says that, that he is not beautiful, that anybody would want to be around him, and that, that he was ruddy, that, that he was... Uh, Jesus didn't come and look like somebody that, that was set apart from the crowd. Jesus came and he looked exactly like the crowd. And so that Jesus would, would blend in with, with any of the multitudes that he would be around in so much that he could talk to this guy, he could lead this person unto a healing that he did, and then just disappear amongst the crowd and the guy wouldn't know any different. That's exactly what Jesus did. Now, after all of this took place at the, at the Pool of Bethesda, verse number 14 revealing, after all of this took place at the Pool of Bethesda, Jesus finds this guy in the temple. Jesus didn't lose track of, of this person that he healed. He found him in the temple. Well, praise the Lord. This guy could have gone anywhere. He could have gone home. He could have gone, he could have gone anywhere. But where did he end up? There at the temple, giving praise, worshiping God. And so when Jesus finds him at the temple, he said, Behold, you are made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto you. Wow. Well, now, I can't say that, but Jesus can. Because Jesus carries the sovereign authority to bring worse things upon this guy. The very possibility of the of the ailment of this guy being self-inflicted to begin with as concerning an activity that was sinful in nature that would cause him to end up paralyzed is highly possible for the reasoning that Jesus would speak to him and that indeed he has been made whole, but then Jesus tells him, sin no more. And the warning of sin no more is followed by lest a worse thing come upon you. So the point of this man being invalid for 38 years is only shadowed by the possibility that it wasn't from his birth, but that after a, an accident that would come upon this man because of the, the sinful choices that he had made that would lead him to an injury that would cause his paralysis, that for the next 38 years he would suffer in this condition in this state having to pay a penalty in this life for the idiotic choices that he made that got him in this situation that Jesus would through his compassion heal him and make him whole from that that accident from that scenario that has left him paralyzed but then because of Jesus's knowledge of this person and of his choices and of his ways and doings that Jesus would present the warning to him 
not to get back into the wickedness of a life that he hasn't been able to do because of his paralysis has kept him from it, but because he's now made whole not to sin anymore, not to get back into the wickedness of his lifestyle, because if he does, something worse is going to happen to him. Seems like Jesus knows this guy, even though Jesus Jesus doesn't really know this guy. (laughs) But God knows all, doesn't he? Yes, he does. So verse 15, the man departed and he told the Jews. So this guy's at the temple. Jesus speaks with him. He now knows who healed him. So the, the, the inquisition of the Jews was asking him who healed you, because keep in mind, this guy's still in the hot seat of having to answer for, for why he was carrying his mat. And so as he departs, he tells the Jews that it was Jesus that had made him whole. And so verse number 16 tells us that, Therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and seek to slay him, because he had done these things on a Sabbath day. Now, persecute Jesus. They started fussing at him. They started bad-mouthing him. They started uh, mocking him. They, they, they were seeking for a means to be able to kill him. All because he healed this guy. But Jesus answered them, My father works, and so I work. <laughs> God had a plan for this lame man to be healed. Jesus executed God's plan for this lame man to be healed. What a praise that it is that as the Father is working, so also the Son shall be working. And and that is an absolute fact in in reality that that the healing that took place was not a, a work as concerning the labor laws of a Sabbath day. For Jesus in another place teaches that if you... And what man among you, having 99 sheep, would have one sheep that was lost that even on a Sabbath day wouldn't go out until he found that sheep and bring them back? Jesus Jesus reveals to their own hearts the fact that there are certain things that, that must needs be done even when it's a Sabbath day that would not be considered the servile work that would be uh, mentioned in the fourth commandment on Exodus chapter 20. And so that it is revealed that the multitudes of laws that the Jews had created above and beyond uh, what even Moses had taught in the 613 principles of the, of the Torah, or as what is familiar with the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible, that, that there would be a multitude of laws that would be coupled above and beyond that in, in the concept of the servile work, and so that even picking up a bed would be considered illegal when that's not even considered work. Where, whereas healing somebody from an ailment that they've dealt with for 38 years was certainly not a, a, a defined point of servile work. Jesus would never have violated his father's law. Jesus would have been a sinner had he violated his father's law, but in this healing, he's done no wrong. But the Jews consider it. Man's ways considers it to be wrong. And so in verse number 18, it says, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, 
but said also that God was his father. Oh, how dare he, making himself equal with God. That is amazing. Now, no son would consider themselves to be equal with their father. Never in my life, even in my grown-up years before my father's passing, would I ever consider myself to be equal with my dad here on earth. In no way. And, and never would my dad ever consider himself to be equal with my grandpa, with his dad. And, and the reality is, is that never would, would it be considered, be a consideration even in the heart of Jesus to find himself as being an equal with God as in the Father, as being the Son, but that Jesus was in every way equal with God. Was it not in, in, in Philippians chapter number 2 that it says that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took himself... Uh, the form of a servant was made in the likeness of man. And so that Jesus would, would in humility and being a humble heart, surrender himself from his equality with God uh, to be the son. But these guys think that he's, he's saying that he's equal with God when as a son to the father, you even hear it through Jesus' own words that he came not to do his own will, but the will of the father that sent him. And that he is is a servant of his father in heaven, and so should we all be. It's not that any of, of us sealed by the Holy Spirit would consider ourselves to be equal with the Father, but that we would find ourselves in the same position that Jesus was while here on earth as a servant to the Father. Now, so in verse number 19, he, he answered Jesus. Or Jesus answers these guys that are gunning for him and trying to kill him. He says, Verily I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father doing. For what things soever he does, these also doeth the Son likewise. In other words, Jesus isn't here to, to do his own will. Jesus isn't here to do his own work or to do his own thing. Jesus came to serve the will of his father, period. Now, that lame man garnered the compassion of Jesus because the father willed for him to be healed. Jesus healed him at the will of the father. In other words, this isn't a work that Jesus did by himself. This isn't a work that Jesus did off the cuff. This was an established work that was planned by the Father even before Jesus came. Everything established in its perfect timing for this healing. So, so this guy, he, this was a plan that was, that was established in eternity with God. So Jesus said, if God's doing the work, I'm going to be involved with it regardless of what day it is. Now, he goes down to verse number 20, and this section, I'm probably just going to stop here because I really don't want to bypass or, or not have time to talk about this section, but I'll read over it, and then we'll, we'll dig into it in depth tomorrow. 
So he says in verse number 20, and I'm just going to read clear down to verse number 29 uh, straight off. And Jesus' reply to these guys for fussing at him. Jesus said, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickens whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son honors not the Father which has sent him. Verily I say unto you, He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And he hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. <laughs> well, the word of God doesn't mince the words, does it? Uh, praise the Lord for the gift of the reading of this is in the recognition that Jesus was telling them of, of his authority that is granted him, not of his own doing or of his own stature, but from what the Father has bestowed upon him, as it is revealed that the Father loves the Son and shows the Son all things that the Father's doing. Now, as the Father is revealing all the things that He's doing, of course, the Son is going to do those things which the Father's doing because He and the Father are one. And He said, greater works than these are going to happen that you can marvel. Now, I love verse number 21 because He says that the Father, as the Father raiseth up the dead, very important, and quickeneth them, makes them alive, even so the Son brings to life whom He chooses, whom He will. And that is so powerful because perhaps you have been chosen by the Son to be made alive. Perhaps you're filled with the Holy Spirit now, and you can rejoice in the fact that you've been made alive. And that there's nothing greater than to know that the Son has chosen you, and that the Father shall raise you up in the last day. Because He doesn't lose anything. Well, that's <laughs> priceless. So, we'll pick up in verse number 19 at the beginning of Jesus from 19 to 29 tomorrow so that we can really dig into the reality of who Jesus is as our judge as bestowed upon him because of his connection to mankind as the Son of Man, that he is perfect for the purpose of judgment. But that's for tomorrow, so we'll end this day in a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for everything that you have done, for what you have revealed, 
for the reality of, of translation in Scripture and the importance of reading a Bible that's got everything in it, to the, the connection of faith, to the reality of the compassion of Christ that would make this healing possible for this man. We give you thanks and praise for all that you have revealed, for all that you're doing, for what you've done. We pray that you will bless us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. And I'll catch you tomorrow for John 5, beginning in 19. Take care.